Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Five Plain Questions, this week titled Five Scary Questions, an episode that shares stories from indigenous artists, creators, writers, musicians, movers and shakers, and culture bears, with stories that are both scary, insightful, and very, very curious. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this scary event. I'm director of Canna, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our indigenous communities from around the region and country. Here at the podcast, we celebrate our culture and the high art that is produced by the brilliant artists and community members here every single day. But I also recognize that within this traditional culture, there's a veil that lies between this world and what we call the other side, sometimes referred to as the afterlife. And it's a very thin veil. Sometimes so thin we see past it, and other times the boundary between here and there becomes blurred. And so we're unsure of what side we're on. In the following true stories, you're going to hear the experiences that our guests and myself can't fully explain. So, let's jump into our first story with Sean Sherman, our second season guest who shares a story with us about a curious drive near Belfouche, South Dakota. Um, you know, I feel like if you come from an indigenous community, I feel like everybody's a lot more open to things that people perceive as just the regular reality of where we are. So it's normal for everybody to have stories of everything, whether they're spiritual ghost stories, their beings like seeing Bigfoots, for example, or uh, little people. I mean, everybody is going to have some kind of story that falls in line. Um, with that. And I grew up with all those stories of uh, people claiming that they saw, you know, UFOs in the Badlands or Bigfoots in the Black Hills or little people in the villages that they have, you know, and all these, all these spiritual things, you know, and I feel like, I think it's important to stay open because why not? Like, what do you have to lose, but to not to be open to things you don't understand, you know? Um, so for me, particularly, you know, growing up in the Black Hills, there's always a lot of weird things here and there. But one thing that really stands out to me was I was driving from Spearfish to Belfouche, which is this little town just north of Spearfish. Um, and it was kind of late at night, but not too late. But it was dark and it was summertime. And I want to say it was, you know, like 10 o'clock or something. I think I was driving to a girlfriend's house at that time. And uh, I saw a coming up on the road, an animal on the side of the road. And I couldn't picture what it was because it looked weird. It looked like a, the silhouette looked like a, like a greyhound almost, right? Because it had kind of, it was long and skinny and it had kind of a hunched back a little bit. And it was like, looked hairless almost, you know, and a long snout. Um, so it wasn't a fox. It wasn't a coyote. It was, so I thought it was a weird, like stray dog or something, right? And as I got closer, it was walking slowly across the road and it was kind of looking at my car, so I was slowing down. And then it got up on its hind legs and looked straight at me and then and then ran off the road on its back two legs. So I don't know what that was. But I saw it when I was, I was sober. I saw it. <laughs> and I don't know what it was. But that's probably the, one of the weirdest things that I can think off the top of my head of and being like, well, that could be anything, you know, shapeshifter, spiritual being. I don't know, I, but that's what I saw. 
we now join Patay of Black Ops Society that proves seeing isn't always believing. We grew up in this uh, little, you know, little area, but my dad, he had brought the, they brought the Sundance back, you know, back in the seventies, they, they had it out in Wind Cave and then they brought it back to our reservation um, and it was in our backyard. So they called this place the Sundance Grounds, you know, but that's where we lived and we grew up doing the Sundance and, you know, sweat lodge, like all the ceremonies. We, we grew up doing all of that. And, uh, and, uh, one time when we were young, but I didn't think about this. I didn't think about this for not until about four years ago. I watched this uh, documentary, and it's, it's called uh, "The Missing 411 Hunters." Right, and it's all that. Well, this is like this is another thing I can get into because I'm into like, like, like all that kind of like missing, going missing in the forest or anything. And this is why, like, the MMIW introduced me to all that because you know how like. When you hear about missing, you see these other stories. So I started looking at these other ones, and and I would, you know, see, I was hearing these stories. But I watched this documentary where these hunters they would go hunting, but they would get lost, right? Or they would disappear, and you never found them again. So there's this thing going on about you know, going in the forest and get lost, and uh, so I was watching it, and and this lady she went hunting, right? She was out in her little whatever the the hunting corral deal is and they sitting there with the little thing in their gun you know and she hears something in a tree and she looks over and it's just this weird like shape thing you know and i never thought about that and when i seen that i was like what the you know what the fuck because because i was when they showed it, it it instantly took me back to being i think i was like must have been about six seven years old and uh there's me my brother horace and and two other cousins, like close cousins, and uh, well, they're they're not. Uh, I think one of them's not here no more. He he was one of them that that just died recently, you know, um, being sick like that too. But uh, it, it, um, I never thought about that until about four years ago. My mom was uh, my mom was sick, so we had to go up, you know, go up there, up to up to. Um, up to South Dakota, and uh, but I thought about like I I seen that, and I thought about what happened when we were young. So there was like four of us, and where the Sundance grounds is, it went, there was a hill that went up, and they used to go up there, and they used to humbletch up there, they used to go up there, and you know fast and that, and uh, so we but we would run up there and play and stuff because that hill was like right up the you know right up the way. But as kids, there was a pathway that went up there, but we we ran up to the top. So not to the top, but at the top of the path. And there was a big rock, like like where you could sit on it at the top of this path. Like it, there was a rock, like sitting in the middle. You get up the path, it's like in the middle of that path. And then the path goes further up the hill. But there's trees, like cedar trees, all around this little rock, like like kind of placed, you know, in different spots. So me and me and the boys were sitting there on this rock, and we're all sitting there. And all of a sudden, I looked over to the where these two cedar trees they were side by side right and there was something standing there but this was maybe about five about five six feet away from us and it and i looked and it was uh and it was like like there you could see it but you couldn't see it you know because it was all like it looked like a, a thing but it was all wavy you know and it was between these two cedar trees and so we all seen it and then it was like like it was there, but then, then it like looked like it went down. 
like it went down so that then it looked like a little like a little person type thing or whatever you know i don't know how to describe that but it like it was up like this and then it went down and then we all took off running back down the hill but mind you like i was the, one of the first ones and then I made it down and the other three are running down, but one of them was like, hurry up, yeah, hurry up. They kept saying, you know, and then when they got down the hill, I was already down there and they were like, I thought you were running beside me. Cause they said that, you know, they see me like running beside them, but I was actually already down the hill or whatever. And then completely forgot about it. Right. And I forgot about it. And then we, you know, mind you that, you know, years passed and then we had to go up to see our mom and, uh, and then I was like, well, fuck, that's what that lady's seen, you know, that same shit, right? That same thing. And then it just so happens my younger sister, Wakia, and, and our cousin, they were sitting outside having some beers on the porch. And he was like, oh, man, I got to. And I was inside with the kids and my wife, and we were sleeping. But we were at our mom's place. And and, uh, and they, they started talking about that. And I jumped up and I ran out there. And I was like, hey, man, I said, do you remember that shit? And we just started like. Like hitting it, like everything, everything, everything he remembered, I remembered, and I called, we called Horace, and then he was like, fuck yeah, and so we were like, shit, that really, because all of us kind of thought that it was just a, you know, like a dream or something, because, but they all, they all lived with it, too, like, they all thought about it, too, because I thought I, I thought I just dreamt that shit until I seen that, that documentary, and when I seen that, it triggered that, that memory, and then, you know, a couple of years later, we actually got together, and, you know, because my sister, my younger sister, I mean, if you know her, she wasn't, you know, she didn't really believe in much. And, you know, she always, you know, fuck that shit or something. You know, she was always saying something. We were always laughing and shit. And, and uh, so she was really dogging him, you know, really dogging his story. And then whenever I got out there, she was like, what the fuck, you guys, you know? She said, you guys should, you know, tell somebody. It was like, who, who are we going to tell? You know, ain't nobody going to believe that but we were young kids and I, I just didn't know that they all remember that but it really was because i remembered the blurry thing and he remembered when it went down and it like turned into like a little i guess the only thing we could say was like a little person because like we could see like its face and whatnot but it it was like it, it must have been like about six feet tall right and then it went down to like like a like a foot or two foot or something like that it was the weirdest like i don't know what the hell that was but there again, it was just this, like, it was like a, just like, it looked like oil on water or some shit, but it was there, you know. So you could see through it, but there was something standing there. It looked like a, you know, like the heat from the highway? Like that. It looked like that kind of shit. Or Predator. You remember the movie Predator? Yeah. It looked exactly like that shit, but it didn't have, like, the glowing eyes or anything like that. But it definitely, when it when it got smaller, it, it formed into like a like a like a little person, like a little I don't know, it just looked like a little like a little dude. <laughs> I don't know what kind of dude, but <laughs> it was somebody. <laughs> and mind you, like I watch like Skinwalker Ranch, and like I'm into all that kind of stuff. You know, I don't believe in stuff much but i definitely i'm like i believe in you know i watch a lot of stuff and you know even aliens i have issues with but you know even still you know when i don't really take it from people you know when they see stuff i don't really oh you didn't see i'm not like that i just you know i'll, I'll definitely like if something moves in the house i'll definitely you know go and make sure it wasn't the wind or you know anything like that before i'm like that's a fucking ghost you know 
because I, I I'm I, I would rather believe that you know it wasn't anything more because I don't want to be like it was a ghost and just have it be the wind you know I feel like that's a little bit more embarrassing than you know but where we live that place that place where we lived it is pretty haunted like there's so many stories you know about that area like even the whole area that school they think they just I think they just tore down that the old boarding school down there on our rest. I, and I was like, they need to get rid of that church now. But, you know, I think they're going to struggle with that one. <laughs> but, you know, I think that, yeah, because that they, uh, they, they removed all that school and everything. But shit, they had all kinds of stories. Like that whole area was, you constantly heard, you know, ghost stories and things. And I, I didn't, like I said, I wasn't really, like, I'm not really that, that, uh, you know, I believe in all everything. You know, if you ask me to go ghost hunting, I will. You know, I'll definitely do ghost hunting, like all that kind of stuff. But as far as like, you know, really believing in stuff, it, it takes a little bit. You know, it takes a little bit for me, like that kind of thing. I didn't really believe even that story that I just told you. Right? I didn't even believe that. I'm, I was thinking, shit, that was just in a dream I had until you know my cousin said it, and then I was like. You know, you were fucking there, you know, everybody's there and we all remembered it because it, it was just a day we were all playing, you know, because back, you know, in South Dakota, they have these plants. Remember, they have spears. You remember those things? You take them, you take them out of the city and you fucking throw them. Yeah. yeah. Are you throw them at each other? Yeah. So we were the, the natives that threw them at each other. So when you go up this hill, that's what you go up there for, these spears. So we go up there and do that. Yeah. <laughs> so. So we would go up there and do that, you know, and that's why we were going up there, but that, that whole thing happened. And, you know, none of us, like, even, you know, come to think of it, like, even when we ran down the hill, it's almost like we forgot about it. Like, like nobody talked about it after that. Like, it, it was like, oh, my God, did you guys experience that? And then we all walked away. And I don't even think none of their families heard about it. None of my family heard about that until I told my wife. And then, and then uh and then when my cousin said it, and then we were all together like that, then, then everybody was like, what? Because none of us, like, even thought about it. Whitney Fear reminds us not all hitchhikers make their destinations. There is, um, you know, kind of a, you know, I don't, I, I guess I can't attest to whether it still goes on, although I suspect that it does a little bit of kind of, of hazing sometimes of um, new tribal cops as they're, as they're coming on force and, and um, they are kind of getting settled into their, their job where, um, and I, I think it's also to sort of, it's kind of like an experiment to see, wow, does it, is this going to happen to someone else? Like it happened to me <laughs> because it's, um, you know, kind of like, oh, it's so unbelievable that, you know, something like that would happen. I think that people, when they have that stuff happen, they, they sort of want to be able to somehow recreate it or, or find out if it happens to other people. So how this, how this goes is, um, you know, then, um, or what's, you know, said to have happened to, to many tribal police where I'm from is there's, you know, there's this area between um, Allen, South Dakota, and, and Kyle, South Dakota. It's pretty it's pretty sparse and really rural and in, in between there, right before you get to Kyle, South Dakota is uh, an area called Yellow Bear Canyon and down in Yellow Bear, it is, it like, 
practically pitch black, like almost, I mean, you could probably hardly see your hand in front of your face if you're down there at the, you know, on the, in the nighttime hours, especially if the, you know, the moon isn't particularly bright or if it's overcast and you'd probably be in trouble. <laughs> so it is, it's just kind of a naturally a little bit of like an eerie area, um, kind of a creepy area. And, you know, the, you know, I, I think it's like this on a lot of reservations. Not a lot of people, um, I mean, this is improving, but it, it used to be that like hardly anybody had cars, you know, so a lot of people walked in between those, you know, those from one village to the next. And I can't remember exactly how many miles it is from Allen to Kyle, but it takes probably 20, 30 minutes to drive between approximately. And again, very rural. There's nothing, nothing out there. Hardly anybody lives in between. There's a few people that live around Yellowberry Canyon in it, but but not many. And um, so how this goes, you know, because there's no Indian Health Services clinic or anything in Allen. The closest one is in Kyle, because um, Pine Ridge is, you know, close to an hour from Allen. So when, um, you know, when people have emergent needs, you know, sometimes the tribal cops end up helping out a lot with that. Um, but, you know, also sometimes people will like walk there or hitchhike, you know, try to hitchhike to, to Kyle, to the hospital there, there's the ER. And um, so how it goes is that uh, there's it's said to be, um, and, and it's not unusual actually to, to once in a while see people hitchhiking between Allen and trying to get to Kyle or trying to get back from there. Um, but it said that there is sometimes a woman walking through Yellow Bear Canyon and she has a, a baby, a young, younger infant with her. And, um, you know, the, of course the tribal cops, they see somebody walking alongside the road. They, they're always going to ask people if they, they need a ride because they, they don't want people walking alongside the road. It's, it's so dark down there for sure. It's hard for cars to see. And there's not much of a shoulder of the road through there either because it's, it's a canyon. Um, so it's not much of a shoulder to walk on. And it said that if you, you know, the tribal police, if um, whenever they've asked this woman if she needs a ride, she doesn't really talk, say anything, but she'll shake her head yes. And when, um, by the time that they, they get to um, IHS or, or whatever, um, you know, she's gone. She's not long, no longer in the car. But sometimes there's like a little baby sock on the seat or, or in the back seat of their um, unit. So she was, you know, they always put people in the, the back. That's for them, for safety. But yeah, it's it's pretty creepy. It says, says that, you know, she doesn't say anything the whole time or, or whatever. And they figure she's just um, quiet or shy or, or what have you. But there, you know, and I don't know this, that I've, I mean, I just heard everybody recollect it this way, that there was a, a woman um, that had a child with her walking to IHS. She was hit by a semi-truck in like the 60s or 70s walking through there. So um, it said that that's, you know, she's still trying to get to IHS. Vince Schilling reminds us a glance up and to the left may bring us some peace. But one time, I actually did see a real ghost one time, and my wife and I actually saw it together. So my wife and I, Dolores, were actually driving to work one day, and this um, this uh, hearse, you know, full-fledged hearse with curtains in the back um, is driving right in front of us. 
And I was like looking over and suddenly I saw in the corner of the window, a woman's face. And she looked like she was wearing a bonnet. And my wife looks at me, she goes, do you see that woman right there? And I go, yes. And then she was gone. Literally, like you could see through, you could see the curtain through her face. Like you could see through it. And I was just like, okay, that was real. And there was another time I have, and I actually have heard this before, that uh, heaven or the other side is not way up in the sky. It's up about eight feet and to the left. As, as strange as that sounds, like the level is a little different. I've just heard that somewhere before, and I don't know where it came from. But, um, oh, and there is absolutely little people everywhere. Now in Mohawk, it's Sago de Uh, and they they – they hide my stuff all the time. And yes, I blame them for everything that gets lost. <laughs> and hopefully, and they say that, that when you're young, that they will hide things and, you know, play jokes on you when you're young, but um, when you're older, they'll help you. So I don't, I'm, I'm 54. So, you know, I don't know when I'll get to that point. Well, you know, they'll like help you find your glasses and things like that. But, um, but I had a fellow community member, a fellow Mohawk tell me that, her brother was on a camping trip and he looked over at the fire and right as he looked over, there was a little person about maybe about two feet tall, warming his hands to the fire. And then he was gone, you know, mm -hmm. so you can catch it. And I see him out of the corner of my eye a lot, you know, but uh, my wife and I, this is what I'm talking about where heaven is up about eight feet in a weird, really weird way. When my wife and I, um, we had a dog by the name of Paco, really sweet little dog, and he, he died, sadly, um, but it's a wonderful dog. And my wife and I were like, oh, I really miss Paco. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And we're in the house by ourselves. And we hear, Fuck! <laughs> really loud. And it sounded like he was about eight feet in the air. <laughs> but my wife looks at me, she's like, what? The, did we just... And it was like, it, it was not like something that could be like, oh, maybe that kind of sounded a little bit like it. No, it was very definitively his, his bark. And, oh. you know, yeah. So he was just saying goodbye. Love you, mom, dad, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I, I've seen a couple of things here and there in my life that scared the bejesus out of me. And <laughs> you know, and I believe in ghosts very, very much. I believe in all that stuff. I believe in spirits. I believe in all that stuff, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I felt energies and all that spirits and, you know, you feel it. And yeah. uh, it's real, folks. <laughs> it's real. At least it is to me. <laughs> Dakota reminds me of a comment my first sergeant said once when I saw some lights in the sky. Keep your eyes on the horizon. Well, no, I actually had two kind of weird events. One time I was driving from Minneapolis to my parents' home in South Dakota. And I was out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, as you know what South Dakota looks like, right? And all of a sudden I saw this very bright flashy uh, light across the sky. And I was like, that, that's a UFO. That's for sure a UFO, you know, and I was really freaking out. I just stepped on it, you know, so that I could go 
And uh, later on, of course, they said, oh, this was a weather balloon that was trapped in the atmosphere, you know, silly, something silly like that. But I mean, I was scared because I was by myself in the middle of nowhere with all of this bright, um, strange light. And then one other time, uh, my husband and I, we were at the lake, but the kids had gone to bed and we just ran to the restroom together to, you know, so we had these lanterns, we didn't have to each take one, we didn't fall down. And we were coming back and there were like these three lights kind of like diagonally on top of each other. And all of a sudden they just zipped away. And I said to Brent, did you see, did I just imagine that? He's like, no, I saw it too. So I don't know what it was. It just, you know, maybe saw our eyes playing tricks on us, but it was very weird. Yeah. Tamma reminds us that we're never alone and it's not always a bad thing. I think probably the most um, powerful experience that I've felt as a researcher, there were two things. When we were working on Whitestone Hill, when we were working on Whitestone Hill, we had um, gone out to the survey area where we believed a lot of the massacre had occurred. And it was uh, really profound. I mean, it was, we had individuals with us that um, prayed with us. We did the pipe ceremony before we went out. We had spiritual advisors, um, you know, for when we came off of the field. And then we would um, meet in the evenings and they would have um, their, their ceremonies and things like that. But we had, uh, I had laid down in the teepee. And as I laid down, I, I, I would say afterwards that I wasn't sure if I was sleeping. Um, I really, I'm not sure. But what I saw was uh, a woman's face and native woman. And like from shoulders up, I saw this native woman and her hair was sort of tied on both sides. And then her face shifted into another woman's face, another woman's face, another woman's face, another woman's face. And it was just a lot of women's faces. And um, so later on, I had asked some of the people with us and it, you know, what, I told them about that and they had said that others were experiencing things of those thing of that sort too. And that, um, the women there, I found out later in the research that, um, you know, where it said in the journals, like women and children paid in blood for the sins of the fathers, our bloody work commenced through the night. The women had, um, packed the dogs and attempting to flee that night and uh, the, the efforts that they made that allowed for some to escape was really important. And so, you know, having that happen really showed me that the, um, the ancestors are with us you know, when we work on these things and to be um, very understanding of those things. So that was my first experience with that. And I had gone to National Archives and Records and I began to look at documents from the 1800s. And I found myself actually touching or holding letters 
that had communication on them about us during probably the most pivotal, terrible time for Sisson and Wapaton, Dakota in the 1860s. And some of the letters were really, really hard. They were hard to um, read and hard to absorb. And in one instance, there was even a letter that talked about smallpox blankets that were sent to St. Paul when we were, you know, the Dakota were held there in uh, Fort Snelling. And, you know, it was really um, intense. And it is something that I know that, um, you know, I know I've experienced this before, that I know that it's hard. I know that I'm going to cry. I know that it's, but, you know, still, when it happens, I don't think I'm ever prepared for that. Anyway, when I left the building, I had that feeling again where I could see a Native person and uh, I saw a face that shifted into another person's face and another person's face. And it wound up being, uh, you know, a real strong. And I happened to be standing on the sidewalk getting into a cab. So I knew I wasn't sleeping, but yet this was happening. And, you know, it, it's probably the biggest lesson of my life about the spiritual aspect that's involved in doing our research. And I know that to be true. Um, there are times where um, I think, you know, the ancestors and others that watch over us are either helping or they're present, you know, when we're working on these things. Tessa reminds us that sometimes they may see us. I was traveling, it was actually when I was at Nike and Seven and I was traveling, we were going to do some consumer insights at Hopi and I think maybe Tuba City, I can't remember. But so I was staying in a, it was out at uh, Gila River. They have the Wild Horse Pass Resort. I'm not sure if you stayed there. It's gorgeous, by the way. But I remember being out on my balcony at night by myself, I was staying in the hotel room by myself, and I'm looking out on the horizon. And people will say that in Arizona, in that area, there's a lot of the UFO and weird activity. And I'm just on the balcony, just enjoying the evening. And I see these two lights slowly come up towards each other, these red lights. And I was like, okay, hmm, that's interesting. I'm just gonna like follow them. And then they no joke zipped off so fast in opposite directions. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's not normal. And then I totally flipped out and I was like, they saw me. They saw me watch them. Oh my gosh. Like they're going to come get me later. I lock. I mean, I did not sleep well last night. I was convinced that I was going to get, um, what do you call it? When the, when they come and take you? Yes. I was going to get abducted because I like, I, I witnessed them. And, um, and so I did not that trip. I was just, super paranoid the whole trip about UFOs and aliens. (laughs) Yeah. So if you ever go to Wild Horse Pass at Gila River, just, you know, you might see some UFO activity, but just be aware that they might see you too. (laughs) 
that does it for this very special episode of Five Scary Questions. I want to thank our guest for sharing these astonishingly true stories. So next time you're on the road, be very aware of hitchhikers and keep your eyes on the horizon. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very scary story and true stories from our community. So join us next week as we share more scary stories. Yes, that's right. There are three episodes this year. So this is part one. Next week is part two. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canada. That's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook or on the plainsart.org website. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at 5 Plain Questions. There and at our website, you can see our programming, past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a scary story that you want to share with me, email me at j, that's the letter j, williams, at plainsart.org, or message me on social media. I would love to hear from you. Well, that's it. Take care, and we will be seeing you next week. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.